I'm going to let Chad talk a little bit more about what he does and what God's doing uh, across the ocean. But I just want to say welcome, Chad. Thanks for joining us this morning. And uh, I'll hand it over to you. All right. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a joy to be with you uh, again. I think the last time I was here in 2019, uh, we didn't go out and throw axes. So I I learned one thing uh, that I want to be with Doug if anything ever goes down. Uh, He was very accurate with that axe. Uh, So I know it's been a joy to be here and just connect with you over the the weekend um, and spend time with you. I wanted to to start with a question, does the presence of Jesus really transform lives? Do we believe that? I want to follow that up with this question to think about, do we live like we believe that? Do we, we, we say, yeah, Jesus can transform lives, but do we really live like we believe that to be true? There's a young man that came to the center, Uh, we'll call him Daryl, to protect his identity. He came, and and as I got to know him, spent time with him, I just enjoyed getting to know him and and invited him to read the scriptures with me. And he was interested, and we started to read through the scriptures together. Uh, And after a few times, he came to me one day at the center, and he said, "Uh, Mr. Chad, I need to talk to you. You see, in a culture where you don't ever share anything personal because it's risky, uh, everything's about status, everything's about your name, uh, your honor, how you look in society, if you share anything personal, there's a chance someone uses that against you to make you look bad. It's too scary to do. And he said, Mr. Chad, I need to talk to you. Uh, Can we talk in private in your office? So I invited him into the office and, and began to chat with him and and asked him, well, Daryl, what's, what's really going on? He said, Mr. Chad, I don't know how to say this, but uh, I've been dealing with depression, and I don't feel like life's worth living anymore. He was contemplating suicide and didn't know where to turn. He said, you see, I've been waking up uh, every night. I haven't been able to sleep for weeks now, because every time I close my eyes... Uh, a demon attacks me in my sleep, and I wake up afraid and, and crying and scared, and I don't know what to do. I got to pray over Daryl uh, in the name of Jesus and against the powers of the enemy. And I told him, Daryl, next time this happens, what I want you to do is, is call out to Jesus. Doesn't, it doesn't matter what you pray or how you say or whatever, just call out, at least just say the name of Jesus and see what happens. A few days later, Daryl calls me up, just excitement in his voice, and he says, Mr. Chad, I had a dream. This alone was unbelievable to him because he had slept long enough to have a dream. He said, let me tell you my dream. And I want to share you with that with you in, in Daryl's own words. He said, uh, my brother and I wanted to watch a soccer match. So we went And to find it, we found out that we had to pass through this place where you and and some of the other Christians live. But this place was completely surrounded by these thick, impenetrable nets. We couldn't get in. Uh, I thought at first maybe we should just hack our way through with a machete, but I couldn't. It was impossible to get in until my brother noticed a door. And so we went and we knocked on the door 
and it opened for us, and we went in and found all the fans and supporters of our team, and we were so excited and happy. When I was there, I had an amazing time. I was filled with so much joy and happiness, and I felt at peace. It's something I've never felt any other time. So the next time I got to read the scriptures with Daryl, we read John 10, 9, and 10, where Jesus says, I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And he follows that up with, and I have come to give you life abundant. Now, Daryl's journey is still in process. He hasn't yet given his life over to the Lord, but, but he's already begun to experience the transformation that an encounter with Jesus can do. If you have your, your Bible, look with me. Uh, we're going to look at two different passages, and I just want to look at uh, the life of Peter a little bit. So Luke 22, we'll look at, uh, and then we'll jump over to Acts 2. Luke 22, verses uh, 54 through 62. Uh, we'll read that, and then we'll jump over to Acts 2. So Luke twenty-two fifty-four. then seizing him, Jesus, of course, and this is right after what Bruce was talking about, uh, right after the supper that he had had with them. Seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also, you're one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. But about an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Now jump over to Acts 2. Uh, This same Peter. Now there's a crowd that is gathered and he stands and addresses the crowd. Acts 2 verse 22. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. So my question uh, that I want us to think about a little bit this morning is, what happened to Peter? What happened to Peter? When we, you know, we turned several pages to get from Luke 22 to, to Acts 2, but really this is only the span of six, seven weeks, Right? 
Seven weeks have passed, and, and, and the same Peter who is afraid to be associated with Jesus, doesn't want anything to do with him, and, and denies even knowing him, is the Peter who stands up in front of a crowd and says, the Jesus who you killed is the only way. What happened to Peter? I want us to think about maybe two different things that I think happened to Peter. And the first uh, is the experience of a risen Jesus. This is very significant to Peter. You see, the, the disciples had been experiencing Jesus' life and ministry this entire time, but just like Bruce was talking about before, up, even up to the moment of his death, they're still arguing about status, position, who, who gets to be first, who's the best in the kingdom. Uh, they're still, still bickering about these things. They're not getting it. And then Peter experiences a risen Jesus, and he stands up before this crowd and claims Jesus instead of denying him. So what was different, what was different about the, the resurrection of Jesus? You see, the, the disciples, they'd experienced resurrection before, right? You remember the story of Lazarus? And, and Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb. He'd been dead for several days, and Jesus calls him out, and he steps out. So what? They'd already experienced resurrection. Why was this significant? Who called Lazarus out of the tomb? Jesus. Who called Jesus out of the tomb? Yeah. No one, essentially. He just got up and walked out on his own. By his own volition, while being dead, he decided not to be dead anymore. Do we, do we grasp the, the, uh, the awe of that? Jesus, while dead, decided, okay, that's enough. And got up and walked out of the tomb. That's pretty different from the resurrection of Lazarus. And all of a sudden, Peter realizes that the prophecy of Micah makes sense. Where Micah says, where, O grave, is your sting? Where, O death, is your victory? That all of a sudden makes sense to Peter because he says death doesn't matter anymore. Death has no meaning. It's meaningless. If I'm on the side of the guy who can by his own will decide not to be dead, what is death? Right? And this changes Peter's understanding. He experiences a risen Jesus. And in this risen Jesus, he experiences forgiveness and, and acceptance. Because you remember the conversation he had with Jesus after the resurrection, where Jesus restores him. He experiences something new in the risen Christ. But it's not just that. What happens right before the Acts 2 passage that we read? Pentecost, the coming of the Spirit of God, right? And, and Peter experiences the, the presence of the Holy Spirit, in an, in an awe-inspiring way. And Peter uh, and all the disciples, that's, that's what this is all on the heels of, this Acts 2 passage, right? The, the disciples had experienced this. They're speaking in tongues. All these people are, are hearing the message of God proclaimed in their own language, and they're, they're confused by this. They're like, wait a second, these guys shouldn't know our language. And, and they're trying to explain it away. And one of them finally says, uh, you know, they're probably all drunk. 
Now, I don't know what experience you've had with inebriated people, but in my experience, I've never had someone just spontaneously learn a new language. Uh, that's not been my experience uh, with people who have drunk too much. Uh, but somehow that was the conclusion these people came to. And on the heels of that, Peter has to get up and say, no, wait a second, this is what's going on. The Jesus that you crucified could not stay dead because death wasn't powerful enough. And he does that in the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter doesn't have to do it on his own anymore. So the two things are are very significant. Peter experiences a risen Christ wherein there is no fear of death because death doesn't mean anything, and he experiences the power of the Holy Spirit where he realizes, I don't have to do it on my own. It's not on me anymore. The Spirit of God can transform me. The Spirit of God can speak through me. The Spirit of God can give me the power that is needed. And all of a sudden, everything's different for Peter. And we see a very different Peter in Acts 2 than we saw in Luke 22 after just a few weeks. So what does this mean for us? We have to remember that the transformation that Jesus works in us is possible for everyone. If Peter, the guy who denied Jesus... A few weeks later is the guy who's standing up in front of a crowd of thousands of people proclaiming Jesus. The transformation that Jesus works is possible for anyone. Think about Paul, what he went through. Uh, uh, Self-proclaimed worst of the worst. And then we see a different Paul after his experience of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit working in him. There's a young man at the, the center that uh, started reading the scriptures with us and uh, a few years ago, and he's been just fascinated by the Word of God. He just is, is in love with it. Uh, he's, he's constantly uh, reading uh, beyond what we read uh, you know, as a group, and, and he'll, he'll read the context, and then he'll read further, and he'll ask questions about things, and how does this relate, and how does this connect? And he's just in love with the Word of God. A young Muslim man carries his Bible with him everywhere he goes. And in that culture, uh, everyone then looks at him and says, hey, wait a second, you shouldn't be reading that. And his response is, no, you should be reading this. This has the words of life in it. And he's experiencing the transformation that Jesus can work in someone's life. But then look again at, at Paul's uh, declaration in 2 Corinthians 5. Paul says, 2 Corinthians five eighteen to 20, he says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal to humanity through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You see, Paul's 
Paul's claim there is that we are essentially ambassadors of Jesus. So what's an ambassador? What does an ambassador do? Speaks for a king. What else? I heard someone. Okay. Uh, speaks on behalf of others. This represents uh, another authority. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so an ambassador is the representative that speaks on behalf of someone else. Uh, they are not that authority, but they are the re- representation of that authority, right? And so an ambassador speaks on behalf of, of an authority uh, beyond themselves. We got to know the, the British ambassador to Guinea over the last couple of years, uh, uh, just a man who is in love with Jesus, recognizes that his ambassadorship to Jesus far supersedes his ambassadorship to the crown, uh, and uh, just passionate about Jesus. And so as we got to know him, Nikki and I thought this would be great for, for the wider uh, community of, of uh, international workers to get to know this guy, spend some time with him. So we planned a, a trip out to the islands off the coast of, of Guinea. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, we all get this boat that's supposed to fit 30 people. Uh, it's like one of these, just a long canoe where the, you know, the, the outboard motor can uh, get you there that mile and a half distance in 45 minutes. So, you know, good quality motor. Uh, and uh, so we all get there ahead of the, the British ambassador and his family. And I confirm with the port authority, confirm with the pa- captain, yeah, yeah, this boat fits 30 people, no problem. Uh, as soon as everyone's here, you can go. Well, then the ambassador shows up with the flags on his car, the security personnel that he's required to travel with, and as they're un- unloading their car and starting to walk toward our boat, where everyone else is already loaded up, the man from the Port Authority comes over to me and he says, no, no, uh, you can't fit 30 in this boat. I said, wait, what, what do you mean? He said, no, this boat only fits 25. You have to get another boat. I said, what? wait, what are you talking about? We, we, you know, we've already, the captain said this fits 30. No, no, it only fits 25. Earlier you said it wasn't, no, no, it only fits 25. So I go and sit with this guy in his office, and in good Guinean fashion, typically this just means that uh, either money has to exchange hands or, or something like that. So I assume that just a further discussion will resolve this issue. Uh, and so I spend some time with him, and, and this guy just won't budge. I have never experienced this in Guinea. I'm, I'm really confused by this, and, and this guy will not budge on this. He's like, no, you have to get another boat. I said, they're, they're all ready to go. Everyone's, if we have to wait for another boat, that's going to be another hour and, and, and all of this. And he said, no, we don't, you don't have a choice. I said, well, what changed? Because before it wasn't an issue that there was 30 people. Now, now it can only fit 25. What changed? He said, well, now I know who you're going with. I said, what, what do you mean? He said, well, uh, if you have the ambassador with you and your boat goes down... I've just created an international incident, and I don't want the might of the British against me personally. He said, an ambassador changes everything. It dawned on me, he's right. An ambassador changes everything. 
And we are the ambassadors of the king of the universe. Do we realize the authority that is on our side? What a powerful concept. We get to be the ambassadors, not of the king of some country or the authority of of even the greatest nation of the world, whatever that may be in your opinion. Uh, We get to be the, the ambassadors of the one who is over all of that and created everything and has all authority and dominion and power in his name. That's who we get to represent. And as we are transformed by him, we can see that transformation in others. But they may only ever experience Jesus in you or I. So with that authority, with that awe-inspiring power, comes a responsibility and a recognition that they may not know, those who don't yet know Jesus, their only or first experience of Jesus might only be you. Are you living in such a way that, that displays that transformed life in Jesus? Do we recognize that it's in His power, in His authority, by His Spirit that we go, that that we go to work, that we spend time with our neighbor, that we hang out with, with friends, that we throw axes, whatever it is that we're doing, we're, we're exemplifying Jesus to those who don't know Him. And their experience of Jesus, uh, Paul says, the reconciliation that happens between us and God is through Christ. But he's given us that ministry. God is making his appeal to humanity through us. God wants to be reconciled to every man, woman, and child on this planet. And he's doing it through you and through me. What an awe-inspiring authority, but also an awe-inspiring responsibility. We're ambassadors of the King of Kings. The courage to speak boldly comes by the power of the Holy Spirit, not in our own power. If we are meant to, to speak or to listen to, to uh, just show compassion or offer help. Whatever it is that we are meant to do, we need to do that in the power and authority of the Spirit of God. And in doing that, we will see the kingdom of God advance. It's in His power, not ours. It's His. Well, the other thing we have to remember is that the transformation that happens happens by His authority and by His will, not ours. We don't transform people. We do carry this message of reconciliation. We don't reconcile. That's God's work. But we get to be a part of it as people experience Jesus in us. We don't do it. It's, in my experience, it's never been successful to argue someone into the kingdom of God. I love apologetics. I love studying the foundations of our faith. I, I love, uh, you know, having a good answer when someone comes and asks me, I love that passage in, in 1 Peter where he says, be prepared to give an answer. Sometimes I struggle with 
forgetting that that passage comes in a context. The context of that passage, Peter's saying, is you are already in the midst of doing good, and you're suffering for it. If I'm not in the midst of doing good, and I'm just prepared to give an answer, I'm not really doing what Peter was talking about. I'm already in the midst of doing good, and I'm suffering for it. And in the midst of that suffering, I have hope that is inexplicable to the world. They have no concept of where this hope comes from. It doesn't make sense. How do you still have hope in the midst of suffering? And he says, then they will ask, and in that moment be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. And he says, do this with gentleness and respect. Man, that is not how the world wants to discuss today. Can I call us to look at that church and understand gentleness and respect? One of those things that may just set us apart. May just be a part of the experience of Jesus in you. That the world sees when you answer with gentleness and respect. Because it's the responsibility of the Spirit of God to transform lives, not ours. It's not on us. But what is on us is to carry the presence of Jesus to those who don't know him. If we don't do that, they may never get to experience Jesus. I don't know how that impacts you, but it breaks my heart. I don't want anyone to go through life without the chance to experience the Jesus that I know. And it's going to look different here in Dubois than it does in West Africa. But it's equally needed in both places. So we need that partnership. We need that continued work together. We need to, to continue to partner together uh, with other churches in our area, with, with other missions and organizations, with, with the alliance around the world as we continue to work together in partnership, in prayer for one another. Uh, I, I pray for each of the churches that I know while I'm over there in Guinea. I love you guys. I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God would, would minister to the people of Dubois through you. But I'm desperate for you to pray for the working in West Africa too. We need to give to, to see this work continue. We need to, to go. We need to be a part of the work that is happening. As we go about our daily lives, are we living out that transformed life as ambassadors of the King of Kings? Let me just pray for you and just ask God to give you the, the wisdom of His Spirit to know when to speak and when to listen, when to help and when to encourage and when to, to proclaim to be the ambassadors that He's called you to be here in this place. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just recognize that you are worthy of all honor and glory and power and praise. You are worthy of everything that we have, everything that we are, and we don't hold anything back. 
It's all for you. Everything that we have, everything that we are, we give it to you, Jesus. And we ask you just to transform us, just to fill us with your Spirit. Help us to know what it is that you are calling us to in any moment. That we'd be so in tune with you, so connected to you, that your Spirit would speak through us to those who don't know you. And that every man, woman, and child in Dubois, Pennsylvania, and the surrounding area would know that you are here in this place and you love them and you desperately want to be reconciled to them. Jesus, just help us to be your ambassadors for your honor, for your glory. We don't want it for ourselves. We don't care. It's not for us. It's for you. May your name be lifted up in this place. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Chad, for sharing about when overseas. If you, uh, of the alliance, you know we're not just in West Africa, but all over. And there's some awesome things to learn, to know all about. Like Chad was saying, you can partner through, you can partner through giving, which is those pledge cards. Don't forget about those pledge cards. You can fill those out, drop them in the plate on your way out. You can drop them off at the office, however you want to do that. Uh, and then going. Uh, we are going to be planning another trip. So, just shake it around. So, we will be planning another trip over to Guinea. If that's something, or West Africa, no one can hear me anymore, so I guess it's okay that I slipped. Uh, if you'd like to join us uh, on a trip over to West Africa, let us know that that's something you're interested in, and we will make sure that you're aware of when we're going to be doing that. Uh, we may also be going to Mexico at some point as well, so let us know. Uh, get plugged in. Uh, definitely stay aware. Uh, I know Chad is going to be back in the foyer here right after the service. Uh, he's got some cards back there that has a little bit more information for you. They, they do regular updates um, the, through different ways that you can stay connected to them. If you want to continue on and see their journey, see what God's doing with them so you can pray for them more specifically and through the different trials and things that happen. Chad, you're heading back over next summer. So uh, they're on home assignment, which is when they get to go around and do things like this and talk about uh, the ministry that God has over there. Uh, and so they'll be headed back over there next summer. So um, you'll have some time to connect with them while they're here in the States, pray with them, um, hear more about them. And, uh, and then as they go, we can pray that God would continue to move powerfully through them as they go back to engage in that culture. So thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, you're dismissed. And don't forget, uh, check out cards and stuff on the table chat if you want to go back there and get to know chat a little bit come back at 5 30 bring a topping and we're going to have a great time uh, uh, with fellowship food uh, and rice so see you tonight